in such a competitive and intense environment that we are currently in. We had to really look at that and go, well, we really need to change the game to go back to focusing on the patient. The problem with that, however, that we found is that the patient themselves had become so used to that transactional environment. So we had to figure out a way to reverse their mindset and make them value that interactional and personalized service. Hi, I'm Zamil Solanke from Terry Wykem Mutt at Mangravat Plaza in Queensland. And you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PDCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Today, we are speaking with Zamil Solanke, co-proprietor of Terry White Kemart Mount Gravatt, finalist in this year's Guild Pharmacy of the Year Awards, proudly sponsored by principal sponsor, Care Pharmaceuticals and sponsor QCPP. Now, the pharmacy is located in a highly competitive area with 12 other pharmacies within a three-kilometer radius. Zamil and his team have transformed the pharmacy to incorporate a true forward dispensing model, integrating robotics, two clinic rooms, and additional allied health services, including a larger medical center and pathology to ensure the pharmacy stands out from the crowd. Zamil is extremely passionate and enthusiastic about the future of community pharmacy, which is evident in how he approaches the management of his business, but also his involvement in the wider healthcare network. Here's Zamil. Welcome to the show, Zamil. Firstly, congratulations on being recognized as a finalist in this year's Guild Pharmacy of the Year Awards. What does that recognition mean to you as a pharmacist and also the pharmacy team and the business at Terry White Kenmart in Mount Gravatt? Daniel, thank you so much, firstly, for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate you having me on. So when we found out we were a finalist in the Guild Pharmacy of the Year Awards this year, we were absolutely stoked. So for us, we actually didn't plan on entering and actually have never really considered it previously. So in fact, I received a phone call roughly two weeks before the deadline for our submission Uh, suggesting that we actually enter. So after a couple of days getting my head around it and chatting with some previous winners, we rallied the troops together and got the team on board and compiled our submission. And that involved a massive presentation, filming, photos, all that sort of jazz. Uh, So since our pharmacy redesigned a few years ago, we've actually been super focused on driving our business from within our four walls. And the whole pharmacy of the year process was actually an awesome time to allow us to reflect on our achievement both in-store and within our local community. So it was a great opportunity to sort of take that bird's eye view and look at what we've done over the past few years. But in terms of being nominated as a finalist, it's a huge recognition to our team of their passion to help provide complete health solutions to our patients and the local community every day and to embody the values of our business. It's actually really amazing as well, given that we are in such a competitive area that we have been able to further differentiate ourselves. And it's really, really gratifying that we've been recognized on this national level. Now, you've been a part of community pharmacy your entire life. In fact, your mum, Anita, is a pharmacist and you would accompany her to the store as a baby 
Pharmacy has always been a part of your life. And I'm curious if you've always felt it was what you wanted to do and, and whether there was a pull towards it and also hearing about your journey into pharmacy ownership. Yeah, you're spot on, Daniel. So definitely pharmacy has been a massive part of my life, if not my entire sort of professional life. I was actually just chatting with Anita actually this week because uh, I mentioned that we we're going to be on the podcast and this was actually a big part of the submission, just saying the amount of time of being involved in the industry. She actually told me that customers would actually pop their babies in the cot that she had for me in the pharmacy and actually use it as a store playpen whilst waiting for their scripts. So I don't know if that's how I sort of became somewhat of a social butterfly from a young age, uh, but essentially I was making new friends every day. Um, in terms of pharmacy and my passion for it growing up, I actually have been dispensing fluently from the age of 14. And at that age, I was actually just uh, dispensing using Minfos and showing fourth year students how to dispense as well. So I grew up learning the value of pharmacy and the importance that a pharmacist plays in the lives of the local community. And it's not just to the patients that a pharmacist sees or the pharmacy team sees. It's their neighbours, it's their friends, it's their grandparents, it's their own children. And for me, that embodied such a such an important thing of what I wanted to do um, in terms of the value that that has and, and the interactions that you have was so important. And so from early high school, I, I made the decision. I was like, look, I want to follow in my parents' footsteps and actually have a career in pharmacy. So back in 2007, while I was studying at UQ, I was in my third year. And that's actually when we, uh, well, when my, my mother actually bought the Terry White Chemist at Macrovat. And I remember sitting at lunch and I would be planning and designing all of the initial pharmacy layout, all of the uh, shop fit at that time, whilst my mates were talking some random stuff and eating lunch and probably having a beer in the red room. But that really solidified my passion into sort of experiencing the process of building a pharmacy and creating something and also the the involvement that goes into that. So it was always a natural transition for me to go into it. Uh, family business, as you sort of mentioned, is somewhat interesting. A lot of people do say, well, how do you do it? Or I never could actually work with my parents. And at times it definitely does have its challenges, but it's also very rewarding. Yeah, you asked me about the journey as well to become an owner. That was an interesting time because for me, it was sort of trying to find the balance between being a family member, but something that was very important to me was that I didn't want to be seen as a family member when purchasing a business. It needed to be a business transaction. So as a, so as a result of that, I made sure I undertook all the steps involved in purchasing a business such as due diligence, and also made sure that I used all the consultants I had available, my accountant, my lawyer, et cetera, to give me all the advice that I needed to undertake that process. And that would be the same to, uh, same advice that I would give any young pharmacist out there today is uh, looking at ownership is to make sure that they ask plenty of questions, that they do their research and listen and take on board the advice of their trusted peers. Um, and also, um, just go for it. It's an amazing process. Do you think going through that process as if you were buying into ownership or buying a pharmacy outright that your parents weren't 
involved in, but going through that process, do you think that that's actually strengthened the business relationship that you have now? With my parents? Yes. So it's definitely, um, it's definitely kept it interesting because at this, at the same time, I'm also their child. So for them to sort of hand over the reins, it's quite difficult because they've always got those maternal instincts. So from a business perspective, they've definitely allowed a lot of free reign with me in that regard. Um, they've allowed me sort of to prove myself in that space. But at the end of the day, because being the maternal instincts, they're always worried about, well, how are things going to pan out? Are we overcapitalizing? And those sorts of normal worries that a parent would have. Similar to if a child was buying their first home um, and they were concerned about how they were going to pay off that debt. But in terms of the business strength itself and the relationship I have with my parents, definitely it strengthened that because what we've, I guess the proof has been in the pudding, uh, we've created something very, very special at Macrobat. Well, let's talk about that because since joining the ownership at Mount Cravat, you have really hit the ground running and listening to you speak, that probably happened in third year university on your <laughs> lunch break. You started your run up way back then. And I know from speaking to you at APP that you have a real passion for improving processes and procedures, which has led to what we would consider a unique workflow system within your pharmacy. And I know that you spent a lot of time looking at processes and procedures outside of the pharmacy industry for inspiration and guidance. What did you study and, and tell us what you and the team did to develop the layout and the structure of the pharmacy? So, Daniel, when I became a partner, that was back in 2011, the Terry White Chemist, well, previously known as the Terry White Chemist, um, now a Terry White Chemmart, was what you would consider a traditional pharmacy. So the dispensary was tucked away in the corner, didn't have much presence, and forward dispensing wasn't really heard of yet in Australia. Now, having worked in the pharmacy industry for around 20 years, and yes, it has been about 20 years, I dusted shelves when I was 10, um, I've definitely seen the landscape change from being largely interactional and personalized with the patient to purely transactional. And we know there's a lot of, pl uh, there's a lot of players involved in doing that. Transactional is fine if you just want the customer in and out and you're happy for them to show really next to no loyalty. But in such a competitive and intense environment that we are currently in, we sort of took the approach and we had to really look at that and go, well, we really need to change the game to go back to focusing on the patient. The problem with that, however, that we found is that the patient themselves had become so used to that transactional environment. So we had to figure out a way to reverse their mindset and make them value that interactional and personalized service. So what I did is I spent one and a half years researching different workflows from different industries and businesses, not just in Australia, but in other countries around the world. So other industries, it's really important to note that they do amazing things and you'll always find that they own a certain niche. So they will do something amazing. For example, a courier company will excel at their dispatch methods. So even though that you think that they're just delivering a parcel in store, that way that they coordinate that in the back end is amazing. So I wanted, I wanted to tap into what I thought they owned to bring that into our pharmacy. So I looked at a few different businesses. I looked at banks, airports, post offices, 
even doctors' waiting rooms where people were prepared to wait for an accepted time to have a service delivered to them by a professional. So I also looked at how the interaction transpired after waiting for a nominated time and the queuing methods used for those customers. I also looked at ways to ensure the customer was exposed to as much of their surroundings as possible, rather than wearing out just one island in the store. So I wanted to make sure that they weren't just a single line uh, following within the store, within the pharmacy. I wanted them to be able to shop the entire pharmacy as well to make sure that they were capitalizing on our entire offering. I had to work out a way to change that mindset and this was the best way that I did that. So along that journey though, I wanted to make sure that the team were actually not apprehensive to that change and how to actually handle that as well. I sought to be honest and upfront with them and definitely constantly sought feedback from them. I also sought feedback from the customers as well while we're undergoing those changes. I also made sure that I communicated any negative feedback to the team, but also really made sure I wanted to highlight the positives to the team as well during that process. So that's how I brought my team along that journey and helped uh, to develop that layout and structure as well. I did a lot of surveying as well um, with customers and within the team as well to find out the best way in which they operated and wanted us to operate with them. And you've also embraced automation and digital health with the use of robotics, but also the implementation of your delivery app. What's your view on why these technologies are an important part of your business? So I sum that up in three words, Daniel, innovate or die. Um, that's pretty much the motto that I went into with doing this shop fit. So essentially, and then doing this redevelopment and re. Uh, recognition, I guess, of our pharmacy. So as part of that process, I touched on it before, we did a lot of time analysis as well as part of our surveying. Um, I even timed staff interactions with customers. But the main thing what I found out uh, is that a lot of pharmacies carry a lot of redundancies. So what we tried to do is we tried to bring the dispensary into the heart of the pharmacy by centralizing it. And then we incorporated technology into that to offer a true forward dispensing model. We actually employ multiple pharmacists then to interact with the patients very, very easily by taking in scripts, dispensing, counseling, and offering complete health solutions all right in front of each other. So there's no barriers involved. So it's not like the pharmacist has to come out to see the patient. The patient is literally coming to the pharmacist and having a chat. So what I tried to do is by reducing those redundancies, I freed up the pharmacist's time and the time of the team to allow them to deliver better and more complete health solutions to the patients and actually spend more time counseling them, educating them, and ensuring that they got the best knowledge out of us at all times. And definitely automation and technology helped to improve this. Um, in regards to the app, you asked me about our app. So being part of the Terry White Chemart brand, we've got our health app. So as part of the brand, we've had, we've had access to MedAdvisor software for some time now, which has been really beneficial in ensuring compliance and loyalty and, and medication adherence. So that's, I guess, the bread and butter of MedAdvisor's uh, software platform is about medication adherence and compliance. 
but the future potential is far more than that. And that's what I've been trying to tap into. So I've been working with them for over a year now to help develop their pain advance, or what most people know it as click and collect functionality, and then expanded this to a same-day delivery service. Now, the reason for this is a lot of owners, including myself, were quite worried and are worried about the threat of online competition, particularly now with the introduction of Amazon. So my aim is to definitely get ahead of the game by utilizing technology to deliver medication within a matter of hours to a patient in need. Better still, the patient is actually able to use the app to communicate things like after-hour doctor's scripts. Uh, So if a mother has a sick child and the after-hours doctor comes at four in the morning, they can communicate that script via the app to us and we can have it delivered within a matter of hours after opening. Uh, And it's all paid for as well, which is even more seamless. So what we're trying to do through our technology is improve our clinical service offering. And we're trying to also help justify removing the word free from that offering as well. So essentially, I hate that word free. You know, we have we've essentially ruined the value we place on our profession. And by by putting that word free in, we've totally encouraged the mindset of the patient to totally devalue what we're doing. So what I'm trying to do with these professional services and through technology is allow enablement. So it allows enablement of better services, better offerings to our patients, but also better value to them that they can appreciate as well. So if you look at Uber Eats, for example, Uber Eats, uh, so many of our local demographic uses Uber Eats, and I'm sure that's the same all over us in most communities in Australia. And at the end of the day, what they're delivering to your door is junk food, and you're happy to pay a nominal fee for something that is potentially detrimental to your health. But then we've ingrained in our patients that it's okay to pay nothing for the medication that's going to help to prolong their life and keep them healthy. So I'm using technology as an enablement, but hopefully changing the mindset of our patients as well that they already seem happy to pay for, uh, like delivery services and things like that. So, yeah. The workflow and technologies have clearly enabled the pharmacy to implement a forward pharmacy model. How does that work? Can you explain in a little bit more detail for people? And none of this really works unless you've got the right staff in place. How do you ensure that you have the right staff to deliver that type of model successfully? So forward dispensing, and I use the term true forward dispensing. Now, a lot of people are confused by that because Forward dispensing typically refers to a pharmacist engaging with the patient without any barrier per se. The reason why I use the term true forward dispensing is that the layout and structure of our pharmacy allows nowhere to really hide the pharmacist. That pharmacist is typically always at out the front, whereas in other models that I've sort of seen is that the pharmacist may still be in the back counter, but then will come out and dispense once interacting with that patient. So whereas our our model in our true forward dispensing model, I guess, uh, that pharmacist is always there ready to answer any question. Um, So what we use is we use one continuous bench that facilitates collaboration rather than a pod style system. And we utilize a team that are confident and extroverted enough to actively engage with patients. 
So to help us understand our team better and any potentially suitable candidates that will join our team, I use a range of tests, including the Myers-Briggs personality test, actually. I actually conduct both a sit-down interview along with a practical element to see how the potential candidate interacts with customers or patients, how they handle the workflow, and also how they provide advice and recommend complete health solutions. So our unique workflow does require tailored training, and this mainly involves a lot of role play and developing scripts used to interact with customers and the questions that we need to ask them. Now, those scripts can be personalized based on the language used by that individual team member, but we provide general guidelines as to how that script should flow. The consultation is done during dispensing. So whilst the pharmacist is actually dispensing the medication, we're conversing with the patient and providing them additional information, ensuring that they're using it as intended and any other potential solutions to aid their pathways to better health outcomes are also recommended at that time. So for example, uh, if we're noticing compliance issues, we'll then try to sign them up to the app we were previously discussing. If there's other suitable products that could align with their medication that they're taking, we also recommend those as well at that time. Or if there's other lifestyle advice, we can give that in that consultative form at the point of dispensing rather than in a traditional pharmacy or in a non-forward dispensing pharmacy where that may occur when trying to close the sale and the patient is becoming disengaged in that interaction. So we try to do that on the opening rather than the closing. Product training is definitely a huge focus for us as well because with knowledge obviously comes power, but that also gives the team confidence in helping convey to the patient a greater understanding of how they will benefit from the recommendations and advice given as part of their complete health solution. For us, it's all about empowering the patient with the knowledge needed to make the decisions to ensure that they get the best health outcomes. At the end of the day, it's up to them to take on that advice, but it's our job to obviously give them that advice and make sure that they've got all the tools at their disposal. The combination of the efficient workflows, technologies, the dispensing model, and the right staff means that the team are able to deliver complete health solutions and patient services, and like you said, are extroverted enough to really engage with patients. You are also involved in quite a few pilot programs. Why do you choose to be part of a pilot program? And I'm particularly interested in how you skillfully manage being part of a pilot program and testing when that means change in an already busy pharmacy where I'm guessing you're not sitting around all day saying, geez, I wish I had something to fill my time with. Yeah, no, uh, definitely not. Uh, If anything, there's not enough hours in the day. I guess the best part of being, and a lot of people do shy away from being part of pilot programs. It is quite daunting and it does carry a decent amount of work. However, being part of pilot programs is a great way to actually have your say when changes can actually be made. So often we complain about programs once they are rolled out. And at that point in time, changes then take a really long time to implement or have to wait until there's some sort of critical mass or critical number of requests for that change for it to take effect. And even then, still, it might take a long time. So being part of a pilot program 
definitely helps to address any issues earlier on, but also then gives you a stake in it. You can sort of put your own spin onto it. So whilst it does take a lot of time, it's definitely usually worth it. So for us at Terawakemar Microvat Plaza, we're currently involved in four different pilot programs. And I actually predominantly manage these myself. So I do involve the team at some certain stages, but on the initial stages when it's undergoing a lot of teething issues, I definitely try to manage that a lot myself. So once I'm confident, however, when things are running pretty smoothly and that there's not too many teething issues, I can then involve other members of the team to help drive it and put their take on it as well. I guess this helps to alleviate the burden with reporting a lot of potential issues to the companies involved, and it helps to streamline the processes in our pharmacy as well. So I try and develop, I guess, a a good model, and then I involve the other team members to develop the gold standard with us. So in addition to the pain advance and delivery pilot programs that I mentioned before, I'm also involved in piloting enhancements to our dose administration aid software, involved in the chronic pain medcheck trial as part of the 6CPA and have just finished up some trialing of a program called MedAugment in partnership with the Queensland University of Technology, which helped to improve medication literacy and understanding. That's really quite interesting, actually. However, the really cool thing that we're doing right now is atrial fibrillation screening. And this involves screening potentially at-risk patients using a handheld ECG device. Along with answers to some questions and a blood pressure reading, the information is then sent to a cardiologist for analysis, and a report is then sent to the patient with the results via email. If the patient is at risk or needs a referral, this can be done by the cardiologist at that time as well. So it's super interesting, takes about 10 minutes to do in the pharmacy, but just another way in which we're we're delivering value to our patients. And you and the pharmacy have also been early adopters of my health record and a strong advocate for the meaningful clinical use of the system, including development and production of the training videos for pharmacists. What's your view on why this has been an important piece of work? It's a great question, Daniel. Uh, the my health record, yeah, was definitely very controversial when it was coming out. And I think there were some good points about when it was coming out, you know, and they tightened the laws for that, which worked out really well. And we've got quite a few of our patients on it, I guess, across the country, over nine out of 10 are on it. But for us personally, I saw value in this from the get-go. So about six to nine months ago, prior to the opt-out date. So uh, we had a lady, unknown to us, she's not a regular patient of ours. She was in the mall and she collapsed uh, outside the pharmacy. She was in her late seventies, accompanied by her neighbor that brought her to the shops for the day to do some grocery shopping. The neighbor had no real idea of her medical history or why she may have collapsed, but thought that she may have started a new medication recently. Unfortunately, the neighbor really didn't have any more information than that didn't understand her medical history or any other, any other medical conditions that well. The patient was still breathing, but was unconscious and sweating a lot. So we called the ambulance as we did, and we uh, instructed the ambulance, I guess, as to the symptoms or the, the situation that the patient was going through. In the meantime, whilst the ambulance was getting dispatched, I spoke to the neighbor and asked if he had access to a Medicare card. 
and uh, drive his license to see if we had it in our dispensing system. So I could actually give the ambulance some details to assist if necessary, because the neighbor didn't know any of this information. She was in our dispensing system, but actually had no recent medical history. As she hadn't actually opted in for the My Health record at that time, I actually couldn't see any of her medical notes or recent dispensing as well. So for us, this was a great opportunity to see the value that the My Health record plays in situations like this. Now, this is an extreme case. You know, the, most pharmacies will be using that to assess clinical judgments on a day-to-day -day basis. But for us in a life-threatening situation, the patient was unconscious, still breathing, but profusely sweating. We weren't sure what was exactly happening, but essentially she had commenced a new medication recently and we would have been able to convey that to the ambulance and the paramedics uh, very quickly upon arrival. So just one of the, I guess, the great points of the My Health record. Now it's definitely got a long way to go. Uh, it's a great first step for electronic prescribing. And I'd love to see it in the hands of the paramedics as well, so they can definitely utilize it in situations like this. But definitely a massive advocate for it. The pharmacy has also established great partnerships and relationships with the local allied health providers and organizations to provide patients with holistic care. How have you gone about developing these relationships, not just at the start, but then maintain them and grow them into strong ones? So I guess it's most important to remember that you never know who your customers or your patients already are or, or what affiliations they might have. The best partnerships and relationships the relationships I've developed with local allied health providers and organizations actually have come from patients within our pharmacy. So the local GP might shop with us on occasion. It would be the school principal for the nearby school. It will be an aged care provider. So those are the relationships that we've sort of built. And just by giving exemplary customer service and conveying the value offering that we have in terms of the advice we give and the complete health solutions that we provide, these uh, partners actually develop, I guess, a great trust in the service that we offer and the advice that we give. And then that sort of translates, I guess, into, I guess, a business or a partnership in terms of whether or not we're providing medication for an aged care facility or assisting schools with their Webster packings for school camps. The other big uh, resource that we find is that schools by themselves have such a vast and diverse range of occupations just within their parents. So by developing really good links with local schools, you suddenly got a multiple array of occupations and businesses that are already present in the local community. And those partnerships then filter through to the, to the students and through to the parents and through to the families and friends and the greater community. So that's, I guess, how we've really built up that sort of collaboration. Just word of mouth as well is massive, but remembering that you never know who your customer might be and the best way is just a simple customer interaction can translate into the best partnerships. I think that's some great advice. It's clear that you are incredibly passionate about your business, your patients and your community, but also about the community pharmacy industry as a whole. How do you harness that passion so that you can lead your team and influence effective change? 
So I think having so much passion can definitely become too much passion, I guess. So you've got to always try to rein it in. You've always got to remember that your grassroots are your grassroots. Now, a big part of those grassroots is are your team. So actively listening to your team is a big part of leading and influencing them. So taking on board their feedback, listening to the concerns, listening on to, listening to their wins is a really, really big part of the day-to-day running a great business. If you want them to come on the journey with you, you need to definitely engage with them every step of the way. So when we're influencing effective change, you need to bring them on the journey with you. So to help with this, we hold team forums where each team member can contribute. Now, we don't call them team meetings as other pharmacies may do, as that, I feel, has a connotation of the manager or the owner standing in front of the team for hours, just talking on end, on end, on end. So I call them a forum because we like to combine all of the team members together in the same sort of setting, but allow them to contribute meaningfully to a discussion. And whether that's uh, combined with then supply trainings or workshop style activities or in-house trainings about new systems or events or any upcoming happenings of the pharmacy, I use the forum to help engage with the team as a whole. So the important part of that as well is that you're getting team members that might only work on the weekends, or a few hours in a week in the same room as our full-timers that have been potentially with us for over 10 years. So it's really, really good to harness all of that energy into the one room. We actually also do team building activities outside of working hours. So for us, this is a great tool to help break the divide between the management team and other team members. So we actually last held a team building event at an escape room which was heaps of fun and encouraged our team to put their minds to use outside of the pharmacy in an informal setting. So it was great to see them sort of challenge themselves without having the burden of the pharmacy or patients in front of them as well. But for me, effective change is much bigger than just within our four walls. So at the end of last year, I created the Innovative Pharmacy Group alongside Karen Brown, who was actually the 2016 Community Community Engagement Award winner, and Felicity Crimson, who is a director at Pitcher Partners, which is actually an accounting firm that plays a large role in pharmacy located here in Brisbane. We see this as an excellent way to help pull the amazing knowledge from the best of the best in the, in the industry. And to help do this, we're actually holding our inaugural Pharmacy Owners Congress in Byron Bay at the end of May. We called it a Congress and not a conference, as this is is an event to bring people together to participate in workshops, share their ideas, their wisdom, and collaborate with like-minded peers over a few days in a retreat-style atmosphere. Long-term, I'm guessing we hope that this will help spread our passion about the industry as a whole and influence effective change, not just within our team, but also within other people's teams as well. And that's what I guess we want to sort of contribute towards, is that community pharmacy industry as a whole. One thing I often hear successful pharmacists mention, and they are rightly very proud of it, is that there are people that travel large distances just to come to their store. And often that's rural pharmacies, and and that kind of makes sense to a certain extent. However, you are in a heavily populated and competitive area, yet I noticed 
in your award submission video that you mentioned people traveling large distances to visit your pharmacy. Now, 99% of the time, the center of a great business is understanding what customers want and then building offerings for them out from that want. You've clearly done that well, but apart from getting that right, what else do you think goes into the success of a store that results in people being willing to travel large distances to visit it? So I guess for any business, it's always really important to know what your campaignable asset is and how you actually make yourself unique. So for me, I write that down. That is very present for me. And I communicate this in all that we do. So it's these two things that will draw people to you. And for us, that's no different. No matter where you are or how highly competitive the area you are, it doesn't matter. If you can have something unique and you can campaign that out, that's the critical thing. So for us and for any business, your team is your business and your business is your name at the end of the day. So from a young age, I was taught that it's the people that make the difference. That was definitely one of my life mottos. So remembering this and ensuring that I never lost sight of our HR goals or the way in which we lead and mentor our team is always essential to ensure the success of our business. Now, I would never expect my team to do something I'm not prepared to do myself. I'll get down, I'll take the trash out, I'll scrub the carpet, I'll I've done all of that and I would never expect my team to do something I won't. So at the end of the day, I'm very much a believer in lead by example. Um, And the main reason I guess other owners and pharmacists are willing to travel from as far as Tasmania and even South Australia, uh, some even in Western Australia, to see our pharmacy is that I'm prepared to, I guess, spend that time with them to show them our pharmacy and share the same ideas I do with my own team, but with them as well. So, and I don't know these guys, they've come and they've visited me, but I'm happy to treat them like my own. And I think that's the unique point is that they can then take back home and potentially implement the ideas that I've shared with them and the knowledge and the practices that I've shared with them into their own pharmacies. So being open to collaboration, fostering innovation and having a thirst for knowledge does attract like-minded people that also want the same sort of sort of vibe. So these types of owners know the importance of these three things and as such are happy to travel for it. I guess this is just another reason why we created the Innovative Pharmacy Group. You spoke about people shying away from pilot programs earlier because of the effort and listening to you talk about the effort and the detail that you've gone into to make the changes and build your pharmacy. They've been absolutely huge. Things like personality tests and looking outside the industry. Some people might be listening and thinking, wow, that's way over the top. That's a lot of detail, a lot of effort. I don't think me doing all that would be worth it for my pharmacy. And the question for you is, looking back now, do you think that you put in too much effort in that process, maybe not enough, or do you think it was just about right? I guess that's hard for me to articulate because I know that I am a perfectionist. So for me, spending one and a half years trying to perfect something and perfect a workflow, perfect, I guess, an algorithm to run our business and the way in which we mentor our team, the way in which we recruit 
the way in which I interact with my team, my peers, the community, the way in which we do our forward dispensing and offer complete health solutions, all of that, even our bench heights, our privacy areas, all of that was studied using Australian Bureau of Statistic data to look at our demographics and actually get average heights of people. So that's the level of detail I went into. So for me, it's all about, I guess, the amount of effort you put in, you hope to translate that into the amount of reward you're going to get out of it. I'm one for not doing things in halves. I will go all the way or not do it at all. So at the end of the day, for anyone listening out there, if they think that it's too hard or it might not work, my call out to them is you're never going to know if you're never going to try. So that's the biggest thing. If you, if you turn away from it and shy away from it, you're potentially setting yourself up to fail already without even trying it. So nothing on this journey has been perfect. Um, and I was actually listening to Jess's podcast with you, actually. And she herself said the same thing, is that when you take your team on the journey, sometimes you can put the blinders on and you can get so focused on something and you can potentially miss what's staring right in front of you until someone clips you behind the ears. In, in my case, maybe it's my mother. Um, <laughs> uh, no, she doesn't do that. So, um, But it's essentially, it's it's refocusing yourself and making sure that you know why you're in this game and what you want to achieve out of it. So for me, like I said, it's either all or nothing. But for those owners out there that are sort of sitting on the fence going, well, what do I do? What do I do? For me, give it a try. Do it. Give it your best shot. See how you go and stick with your guns. And like I said, not everything works out perfectly, but it then gives you the opportunity to tweak that to your perfection or what you consider perfect. I've said it to a few of the finalists and winners in previous episodes that successful people like yourself and your team rarely see recognition as a finalist as the end of the journey. In fact, it feels more often like it's just validation or a boost that you take from it to go even harder at change and success. And listening to you in detail in this episode, I'm almost scared to ask this question, but what ideas do you and the team have scribbled down in your notebooks for the future? So Daniel, you're definitely right. It's definitely a very rewarding feeling being a finalist, like not just for myself, not just for my family and you know my, my mother and my father who actually works in the pharmacy as well. Um, it's, and it's actually for our entire team, but for our, and also our entire community. It's the acknowledgement and validation for all of the blood, sweat, and tears that we've actually created something special. So you're, you're bang on the money there, mate. With the recent changes, and you've asked me, I guess, what ideas we've had uh, scribbled down in the notebook for the future. So April 1st came a lot of changes to the way in which naturopathic consultations get claimed on our private health insurance funds. So we actually employ a full-time naturopath. So future, we're looking at reinventing the way in which our naturopaths uh, consults within and actually beyond our four walls. I can't reveal too much at this stage because it's definitely in its infancy, but what we have lined up and what we have in mind for this at the moment is super exciting and it will actually help us foster mutually beneficial relationship with other organizations to so grow our, growing our community presence 
but actually even involves some of our major competitors too. So um, we're hoping to then collaborate with, I guess, not just uh, our community partners, but also people that are actually our competitors as well. And that's, I guess, what I'm trying to sort of do and achieve within our community is have that collaboration across all forms. Other than that, we're actually focusing on more community engagement programs and we hope to expand our role in schools and local businesses with health checks, medication delivery and packing for school camps. Fingers crossed the legislation changes soon for our off-site flu vaccinations and that'll allow us to expand that even further as well because I've got a lot of local businesses crying out for that sort of stuff. We also aim to expand our medication and disease-based information seminars at local community groups, but also within the pharmacy itself as well. So we've got some event space set up within the pharmacy. We hope to start running some local community uh, information nights to help deliver up-to-date, current and relevant medication and disease-based information. However, boosting my crazy passion um, for the pharmacy industry and our engagement with pilot programs and also the creation of the innovative pharmacy group I mentioned before, I guess I ultimately want to harness that passion into formally consulting and I guess helping other owners and industry organizations achieve their goals as well. So that's, I guess, probably the take home with what I see for us in the future. Plus our delivery app going gangbusters. Yeah, sounds very busy and very exciting. Zamil Solanke, co-proprietor at Terry White Chemmark, Mount Gravatt in Queensland. It has been great chatting to you and learning more about your business and your success. Congratulations again for being recognised as a finalist in the Guild Pharmacy of the Year. And thanks for coming on the show. Daniel, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to Zamil. It is clear that your passion and the enthusiasm from the team are driving the vision for the pharmacy of being the number one health destination for the immediate and wider community. The forward thinking team at Terry White Kenmar Mount Gravatt have embraced change and new technologies, which has empowered patients, enhanced service delivery and created greater efficiencies. The Guild CP2025 Framework for Change outlines pathways to change and long-term sustainability and is a useful guide to assist community pharmacies on their transformation journey. If you would like more information about the framework and the nine growth pathways, visit guild.org.au forward slash CP2025. If you are interested in applying for the 2020 Guild Pharmacy of the Year Award, proudly sponsored by principal sponsor Care Pharmaceuticals and sponsor QCPP, Further information can be found at guild.org.au forward slash news hyphen events forward slash guild hyphen awards forward slash pharmacy hyphen of hyphen the hyphen year. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and thanks for listening to episode 21 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.